G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Judgmentalism. Well, this is going to be the topic of our conversation today. Maybe we don't all have thick skins. When people feel they are looked down on or they feel condemned, they might think twice about joining the church. They might think twice about following Christ if they think that Christ himself is judgmental. Well, we'll get some impressions about what you might think about that. You can contribute to our conversation. Does it mean we don't uphold standards of righteousness? How sensitive should we be to the fact that some people are quite fragile and sometimes ashamed, ashamed either of their past or even their current lifestyles, ashamed of some of the things that might be happening in their own family, in their own history. Those sorts of things are oftentimes a part of what people are feeling. How does this carry over to people who are outside of our churches? Judgmentalism has the potential to destroy people's faith. So what's a good balance as we understand judgmentalism? I want to just take us a little bit deeper today too before we introduce uh, Stu and we'll get uh, some uh, insights from him on this whole topic. If we were today turning the blowtorch on ourselves, now, (laughs) you know that's probably a risky thing, but we're ready to take that risk today and hopefully in a state of humility where we can say, well, uh, let's be honest about who we are as followers of Jesus Christ, as people who are a part of the church, the body of Christ. And we'll ask whether we may be judgmental as individual Christian believers or whether the church as a whole is judgmental. Uh, Certainly in some of the current debates that are going on, the church looks a bit judgmental and you might have your own comments on those things as well. But let's get into our conversation today. A special welcome to you, Stu Miller from Train to Proclaim. Great to have you back with us. Great to be here, Neil. Well, Stu, you're going to bring another whole dimension to this conversation as we get into it over this next hour too because uh, you are a gifted evangelist and uh, evangelists are not always known for their sensitivity. Sometimes it's hit you between the eyes, tell you the truth and, and you have this proclamation idea and people respond in all sorts of different ways. If we talk about this topic as judgmentalism today, what does that mean to you? Well, judgmentalism is a very interesting thing because it's a little bit like in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? It's, um, you know, for one person, it's just, hey, that was challenging. For another person, it's, oh, man, he's judgmental, you know. (laughs) So some people do need to be hit between the eyes. You know, they need to have a wake-up call. They need to, to have someone explain it how it is. And then there's other times that we need to be a lot more sensitive. And I think it depends on maybe who we're speaking with. But as a general rule, I think as Christians, we need to be very gracious and loving and and really empathetic to where the person's coming from and the way that we communicate without watering down any of the truth of what we're saying. And I think that's a really hard balance. Interestingly, if we as followers of Christ Mm -hmm. uh, come with a big stick approach, Mm -hmm. uh, does that reflect on Christ himself 
uh, having a big stick approach because certainly if we look at Jesus, who is full of grace, uh, there's no big stick there, is there? Well, there is and there isn't, I think. <laughs> yes. I think I think Jesus, I mean, you know, the, the, you look at the, the lady caught in adultery that came. Everyone wanted to stone her and he's the one that saved her. But he, at the end, he still said, go and sin no more. He neither endorsed her sin or said it's okay. Everything's fine. Let's sit around and sing Kumbaya and, and there is no sin. I just love everyone in the world. You know, like he, he wasn't like that. And sometimes he's painted out to be that, that type of Jesus that he just accepted everything and, and loved everyone regardless. Now he does love everyone regardless, of course, but he, he was still strong on sin. And I think part of the thing about sin and the importance as an evangelist, as someone who wants to share the gospel with people, we have to talk about sin. We have to talk about breaking God's laws because without knowing we're a sinner, we have no need for a savior. We have no need for Jesus. I mean, he died on the cross for our sins. <laughs> you take out that, we've got no gospel message, you know. You have to present the bad news before you can present the good news. But I think it's the way that we do it that's very, very important. If we, if, if we communicate in a loving and a gracious way, then people will, and, and I think it's a, Something about the the way that we come across that it's not I'm judging you for what you've done, Neil. It's like, hey, we're Neil, we're in the same boat here. I've stuffed up, you've stuffed up. We've all we've yep, all blown yep. it before God. So it's not a me versus you, but rather us and how we can can connect with God despite our sin. You know, I think there are lots of dimensions mm. when we talk about this whole issue mm. of judgmentalism. Yes. And I wonder whether we might take this away from the big sort of judgmental issues that people are saying the church mm. is judging them for whatever reason it is today on some of the big uh, cultural issues that we mm-hmm. are facing. And there'll be listeners who might like to contribute on those areas. Mm. But let's bring this right back close to home into sure. our local church. Mm-hmm. Uh, because sometimes people feel uncomfortable in the local church because they feel like mm. uh, when the pastor gets up to preach, uh, there's some level of judgment. And, mm. uh, you know, and is that really judgment or is that something of a conviction of our own hearts? Uh, and there are some things that uh, that get under people's skin uh, that uh, when someone says something, it looks like judgmentalism. So it's a word that sometimes, I guess, is misused. Your, your thoughts on, on what happens in the local church? Mm, absolutely. I mean, um, as an evangelist, there's training in, in different churches. Uh, we've trained people from over 100 different denominations. So it's it's actually extremely interesting as I travel around and speak in a number of different denominations, right from non-charismatic to, to hyper-Pentecostal churches, you know, and everything in between. Um, it's seeing a bit of an overview of the church. It's, it's quite fascinating. And, and the way that people come across um, is very important from from the front because you, you've got some churches that, that just seem to anything goes, you know, like we don't want to talk about sin. Let's just talk about this positive message. It's everything's about being positive and loving and, and you know, we're victorious in Christ and everything's about positive affirmations and, and don't say anything negative or don't mention sin or don't, you know, we don't want people going down the road, <laughs> you know, <laughs> almost that type of approach in a church. And then there's other churches that are just everything's, well, the world's so bad, you know, it's evil, it's, uh, you know, everything's, in, and, and other churches are apostate, they're, they're not standing up for the gospel, and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're not only not only negative towards the world, they're negative towards other churches, they're, 
you know, and and a, a lot of what they're saying on both sides, I can completely understand. You know, and there's there's very valid points being made, but it's like, how do you actually communicate as a leader and as a preacher in a church the standards and keeping up the standard of righteousness and saying that this is Christ's standard without you know communicating judgmentalism or condemning people in the process and people thinking, oh man, I'm just not good enough to go to church. <laughs> it's a hard job. It really is. It's not easy. And what you are describing is the miracle that everyone needs to recognize that the fact that the church exists at all is purely by God's grace. That's right. Uh, it is miraculous that there mm. are churches that are you know, down at the corner uh, where that church is, and it might have mm. been there for 100 years in your mm. neighborhood. Uh, it's a miracle that it was there because mm. a whole lot of sinful people uh, recognize something in the grace of God uh, that right. allowed them to gather together in a form of fellowship mm. and actually do something to the glory of God because uh, really this judgmentalism is part of really who we are. I suppose, Stu, everyone mm. is judgmental. Absolutely. And I think that's a really good point, Neil, because you know people say, oh, you shouldn't judge, you shouldn't judge. And they're going, oh, what are you doing right now? Yeah. <laughs> You're judging me for judging. You know, like We do it all the time. In our daily lives, we make judgments. We make judgment calls all the time. Now, we can't avoid that. In fact, in the scriptures, uh, you know, it says of the church, we should judge one another. There's about 10 scriptures that, that support that. And, and Corinthians, it's full of scriptures like that. You know, Paul's admonishing the believers in, in Corinth to, to judge one another, you know. So, um, <laughs> you know, we can't get, get beyond judging, but it's, it's about the way that we go about it. Are we actually condemning, as in taking on, a, like being like God and saying, hey, I'm in charge here, you're, you're sinning, you're, you know, I condemn you? Or is it more, hey, look, We've got to hold up the standard of righteousness, but we all fall short in some areas, and it's only by the grace of God stand I. You know, when we're talking the local church mm. context, you're talking about the family of believers that turns up on a Sunday, and mm. uh, they're there to worship together. And, you know, mm. singing songs is a wonderful unifier, and uh, mm. oftentimes, you know, obviously, well, nearly every church service will have someone who'll stand up and they'll have a preaching message that encourages the saints to mm. uh, press on and to, mm. uh, you know, to get into evangelism and do all sorts sure. of good things, reach out mm. into the community. But it's in that little gathering of believers. Uh, yeah, forget all the big stuff for a few moments. Mm. Little stuff gets under people's skins as well. Yep. Uh, the idea of uh, a crying baby, you know, mm. and uh, you've got children. I've got children. I've yep. been in church. I've got four of them. <laughs> I've been in church. We've got four too. And uh, <laughs> I've been in church uh, through those four times when the crying baby yep. causes an upset in church. Or at one stage I had uh, one of our kids with a, a little doll. We used to call the doll Jack. Well, if you press Jack's tummy... Jack would laugh with this sort of cackling laugh. Well, you know, when that goes off right in the middle of that solemn moment in communion, that's right. You know that there are people who would love to turn around and give you that glare. And sometimes so, you know, they do. That's the trouble. <laughs> this is where the judgmentalism happens, doesn't it? Because yes. you've got to resist turning around sometimes because even yeah. though you might be turning around to smile and say, hey, it's really cute. I know what you're going through. I've been there and done that. Yeah. What happens when you actually make that response is that parent feels as though everybody's judging me. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so just this is such a little thing, but yes. it's such a big thing. 
Sure, absolutely. And I think it's it's, it's an awareness thing, isn't it? Uh, I find, you know, my kids are now 6, 8, 10 and 12 and so I'm, I'm, I'm finding there's a crying baby and I sort of turn around myself and I find myself doing it. I'm going, <laughs> and then I smile and I'm thinking, yeah, yep. I know what it's like. <laughs> but yes, exactly, yeah, exactly what you say. You've got to resist that, resist that temptation. Yeah. Another little one uh, that listeners might be familiar with is, uh, and, and I had this experience. This is, I'm just... We're sharing our hearts today, sure, and a little sure. bit, a uh, little bit transparent, and trying to be humble about all of this. But there was a couple who arrived late for church one day, mm-hmm. and uh, and they were I one, thought, one day, <laughs> really <laughs> friends, of, uh, friends. Yeah. I would say these are my friends in church, sure. and so uh, the temptation there to have a bit of a a laugh and a dig about yeah. arriving late at church. Sure. Well, they took that quite. Seriously, and uh, and of course, uh, you know, when people are arriving late for church, uh, there can be this feeling of, oh, everybody noticed that I'm arriving late for church. Sure. Well, I've changed my whole attitude to this now, and I I say, well, I'm glad to see anyone at church. You might arrive late, but I'm glad you're here. That's so I don't right. even I don't even draw attention to the fact that when I'm seeing people who are arriving late, sure. uh, that's not in my mind that that there might even be any sort of suggestion that there could be any condemnation or judgmentalism there. Mm. And I think that that can be a little bit like what was going on in the days of Jesus, where you have God's laws, and then you've got the Pharisaical laws that get added to God's laws, and then they get more and more and more, and all these extra things that you've got to do or can't do, and and uh, I mean it was pretty ridiculous in the times of Jesus. But I, I guess we've got our own church cultures and our own personal ethics, you know, like punctuality. I mean, it's an important thing for me. Um, I don't like it when I have a meeting with someone and they turn up late, you know, because it's meaning they're undervaluing my time, you know. So it's and and I I like to turn up early for a meeting for that same reason. But in the same token, sometimes things happen, (laughs) and and you know, um, and so but that's a personal wicket. Is that a is that a biblical? principle that somebody's sinning if they arrive at church late i I would say no and we've we've got to show grace towards people like you hey it's great that you're here (laughs) but it's easy for my own personal ethics to be pushed on them as if it's like the christian thing to do i had a guest on a week or two ago some listeners might remember we were talking to mike rater who Mm -hmm. runs the center for biblical preaching and he's got a book coming out next year we were talking about singing in church. He's got a book mm-hmm. coming out all about singing, and singing is fabulous. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some people in church, he was saying they see the singing as, oh, that's just the warm-up act. You know, it's just the, it's the, it's the music that's playing while, uh, while people are arriving at church to see the main event, which is the preacher preaching. Right. Well, he takes that to task and uh, very enlightening, very uh, wonderful uh, concept that he has that there are two messages being preached in church. One of those is coming through the praise and worship that draws you into the presence of the Lord. And you really don't want to miss being there right for the start of when that music begins to play because that's a part of the worship. So there's two messages being preached, the one that the preacher preaches and then the one that's being preached when there's praise and worship. So really brings into perspective this idea of what happens in local church because it's important for us to be there. So there's a standard, isn't there? It's a it's an unwritten standard. Yes, you be there on time. Mm. But if you arrive late, we have to be gracious and we have to say, mm. come on in. It's great that you're here. Um, that's right. you, know, you don't say anything about being late, but it's mm. just a welcome to you. I'm glad mm. you've been able to make it to church because you don't mm. know what's been going on in people's lives. That's right. Exactly. And you don't know what, what's happened that morning or what trouble I've had getting there. 
And uh, I think it's it's about attitude, I think. You know, a lot of this whole judgmentalism, it's not so much whether we hold a standard or don't hold a standard, but the way that we come across to people. And I think that uh, the attitude and, and having a smile on your face, uh, you know, can make, you know, just basic people skills that we can be friendly and, uh, you know, n- not show any hint that, hey, I'm here to judge you or to put you down in any way. We're all, I, I think of it like we're a team. Uh, if everyone had this attitude that we're, we're all we're all sinners saved by grace. We're a team. We're on a journey. God's working in our lives. There's things that you have sorted out that I haven't yet, and maybe things that I've sorted out that you haven't yet. But we support one another. We encourage each other. But it should be even if we're we're talking to someone about maybe something that they need to change. It's about the attitude and the way that we do it, and the loving way that we do it, and the spirit and the way that we do it. That uh, really uh, can be seen as judgmental or not uh, based on that. We're taking calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's hear from Jeff, who's in New South Wales. Jeff, are you behind the wheel of your truck? Yes, certainly am. Hands free, legally. If I'm doing the right way. Um, I just want to say, um, uh, two points. Um, Jesus, when he walked into, um, uh, was walking around, and, and the disciples would say, "Let's call, fly down on these people." And I just go, "No, no, no, no." Uh, but he is letting them evolve as well. Um, but when we, we've got a, sometimes we've got a critical nature, and um, we stick labels on people. But Jesus' blood takes away the label. That's like um, Satan's labels uh, before Jesus stuck, you know. And we were condemned. Um, that was his teeth, as far as I'm concerned. And Jesus took away those labels and uh, disarmed the lion. And um, Maybe we've got to constantly go, we gravitate towards um, a critical nature and uh, by the flesh, we've got to constantly remind people that it's grace. Um, we've got to come to your grace. But if you sin, well, you just got to repent. And uh, that's like a default mode for everybody uh, at all stages. Good thoughts in there, Jeff. Uh, let's get a, a few thoughts from Stu, uh, you know, calling down fire, Jesus' response, uh, the idea of repenting. Mm. And, and I think that, um, you know, the the people they were talking about calling down fire on were in the wrong. So I don't think it's an issue of Jesus saying, hey, let's just wipe away the standard. But he's saying, hey, what are you doing condemning them? Because that pulling down on fire is a judgment of God. And so the disciples, in a sense, were, were again, wanting to pay, take the place of God and and call down fire and, and actually, you know, uh, deal out judgment on them rather than uh, calling them to repentance in a loving way. And uh, there's a big difference between those two. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020. On Vision Christian Radio. We're talking through some issues, judgmentalism today. You can be part of our conversation on 1-800-316-316. Stu Miller from Train to Proclaim, our guest. We'll get into some more on judgmentalism in just a few moments. Stu, just something that's been happening with you of late. You had a national tour and you visited a whole lot of capital cities all around Australia and talking about Global Outreach Day, which is coming up next year. So Mm. uh, how was the tour? You made some good contacts? Absolutely. Yeah, we went to Sydney, Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne and Brisbane uh, and connected with pastors and some key leaders there. Um, 
Global Outreach Day, for those listeners that aren't aware, it's the last Saturday in May every year. We've got Global Day of the, the Whale and Global Day of the Toilet, believe it or not. We've uh, lots of Global Days, and so Global Day of Outreach is, is an opportunity for Christians to join with other Christians all around the world. And it's only been going five years, and it's now the, the largest evangelism mobilization effort in human history. There was over 500,000 churches involved uh, this year. 20 million Christians were involved. About 2 million recorded salvations uh, just after the event. Uh, amazing things that are going on around the world. But it's, it really hasn't. It's only just got to this area of the earth, to be honest. Uh, we're sort of a little bit isolated, Australia and New Zealand. Um, but uh, partly it's, it's the Western thing. You know, we, we, we are very program orientated and uh, the non-West, they get a hold of a day like this and it turns into a lifestyle. It turns into a catalyst for action. And so one of the things that we were doing as we were traveling around is, is we're talking to pastors about how do we turn, uh, you know, encourage a, a, a lifestyle of evangelism mobilization within in our churches. How can we, because on the door of the church and on the sign out the front and the bulletin, we've got, you know, our mission as a church is to reach our community. We want to share the gospel. It's like, well, how are we actually going to do that? How does that translate into real life? And the intersection here of what we're talking about today mm. with this issue of judgmentalism, mm-hmm. because we're calling people to follow Christ. Yes. And to be discipled, we're calling people to be a part of the church. Mm. So if we have an image that is in some way tarnished, and mm. you know there are lots of enemies of the church who are, mm. uh, who are deliberately tarnishing the image, but what we have to do is perhaps look in on ourselves a little and mm. say, uh, if I do a personal audit here, mm. uh, am I judgmental? Does my church look judgmental when there is a new person who's coming to my church? This is the intersection, isn't it, uh, for churches growing and for yeah. evangelizing? Yeah, and I think we, we need to do a bit of an audit on, our, on ourselves on the way that, that we've uh, we've communicated the gospel and the way that we've gone about that. Has, has it just have we just looked like narrow-minded bigots in the way that we've we've communicated and we've got the answer and you've got to come on board with us and and we've got the truth and you don't. Uh, we're very, living in a very postmodern, you know, multi-religious society, and I think the the rhetoric, the way that we communicate, is very very important. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, that's why I love our app, Neil, you know, and because it's a very modern way of communicating the, the, the Gospel on 7 app that we've talked about on the show before. You know, it's um, it's a way that you can sort of connect with people on your phone, which is a very culturally appropriate way, and it's a loving presentation, but it doesn't water anything down. It's all there. And I think the way that we communicate is, is extremely important. We're taking calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's hear from Jason in Sydney. Hello, Jason. Welcome along. Yes. Uh, good morning. I uh, I just had a uh, just to summarise uh, an experience I had earlier this year, where I was way out of my depth. That um, there was uh, two uh, gay blokes, two uh, boyfriends, or I don't know, partners. We call them now, um, who run a, a nearby shop. Um, I just became chatty with them just on a polite neighbourly basis um, in brief I found out that uh, both of them were from uh, Christian families um, but a very also a lot of uh, dysfunction going on in the families uh, in January after a fourth attempt uh, one of the partners the younger man um, hanged himself he died and was revived mm. the bloke uh, his partner said, oh, um, he was revived, but he would never walk or talk again. That's what the specialists at the hospital said. 
I just said, because that's just what Christians do, I suppose. I, I was trying to be friendly, and, and I just said, well, look, we'll pray for you. Now, the partner I knew, both guys were from Christian backgrounds and quite upset with the church and Christian people, and they themselves had thrown up barriers against Christian people. And I was amazed when I said, look, I'll, I'll pray for you, that the, the, the older of the partner, he just threw his hands up and said, I'll, I'll try anything now. Um, in an amazing thing, I, I don't see this happen every day, but in mm. an amazing thing, after our church prayed... The following, within the following two weeks, the younger of the partners who'd hanged himself, he was up walking and talking again wow. within two weeks. Now, the specialist at the hospital said, we can't explain it. We don't know what's gone on here. And I've said, again, I engaged mouth before brain, <laughs> but I, I, it was a good time this time to do it. I, I just said, look, I've got to put in a good word for God here. Mm. And um, this led on to a conversation with the younger of the two blokes that he used to know um, the the presence of God. He used to know the the leading of God, and he said he lost it altogether. So I guess in a nutshell, when we put ourselves to one side, and I've, believe me, I've got no one, no other, I've got no book to read, and I've got no one's testimonies to read. I was just going on prayer mm. and the themes of Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman mm. or Jesus with the demon-possessed man. So I'm just going from what I, I read in the Bible here and I just thought, well, you know what? Um, just put my axe to grind with the gay and lesbian Mardi Gras or just you know, put my biases to one side. Jason, to we're side. about to go to news yeah. <clears throat> and uh, great story, great testimony. And mm. uh, we may talk some more about that after the news. But, uh, Jason, thanks so much for calling and contributing that story today uh, here on 2020. We're back with more shortly. Let's just reflect on the guest that we had on the phone just before the news. The news doesn't wait for anyone, and uh, and so we had to go to the news. But... Jason from Sydney called in, mm. and what an amazing story. If I was just recounting what he was sharing, uh, mm -hmm. his conversation there with a couple of homosexual men, mm -hmm. and uh, they both came from Christian backgrounds. That's mm -hmm. an interesting part of the scenario, isn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, then one of them uh, endeavoured to commit suicide, and uh, for a couple of weeks uh, things were iffy and touch and go, and uh, they mm. said he wouldn't really recover. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he did eventually recover. Now, I hope I haven't missed uh, too many of the important points in that story as we reflect on it now. But but I oftentimes think, Stu, uh, and I've and listeners to this program, regular listeners, when we get into these things, I often will come out with this idea that the church has a major problem. It's how does the church care pastorally mm. for people who are from the homosexual community? And that's just one part of a community that sometimes mm. is seen as being judged. Mm. Uh, what were your thoughts on on when Jason began to share that story? Well, I thought it was an incredible story, and I, I congratulate Jason for what he's done. Um, because first of all, I think you know sometimes as Christians we've got this tendency that if someone tells us they're a homosexual, if we see a couple of homosexual people that are obviously homosexual, our attitude changes, our demeanour changes. We we look down our noses and we go, you know, but goodness me, we're, we're all sinners, and we, you know, we, do we do that when we see a de facto couple? 
you know, do we do that when we see someone else? You know, we're all sinners. And so to take a loving approach to these people like Jason did, and he didn't walk away or, oh, man, I'm not going to talk to you because you're homosexual. He engaged in conversation. He spoke with them. He was polite. He was friendly. And he's showing another side, perhaps, that, that they haven't seen from Christians before. And when he offered to pray uh, when this person, uh, you know, com- tried to commit suicide, and then a mir- miracle happened, and then he had an amazing opportunity to say, "Hey, I've got, I've got to say, I've got to give them gr- credit to God here. We've been praying, and th- and this, you know, your friend has, has recovered. You know, a miracle's happened here. You've got to look to God, and and so here's an opportunity for God to come into this situation and to impact their lives. Where potentially, if Jason had just looked down his nose and been been judgmental. Um, there would have, wouldn't have been any of that opportunity at all. Let me just deepen this whole scenario and let me just, and I'm being presumptive here, mm. uh, when I think of what the homosexual lobby might have thought of that story, uh, because my first impression is that someone would have chimed in and said, well, it's this judgmentalism from the church that actually caused that young man to try to commit suicide. Mm. What are your thoughts when you think of, you know, everybody's being judgmental in all of this, so whose judgments are, uh, are harshest? What are your thoughts, Stu? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Whenever we're, we're judged by people for our judgmentalism, it's always a bit of an oxymoron, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> anyway, um, I would say this, that I've actually just read an article, and I, I haven't got it with me, Neil, so I can't quote you the, the exact studies, but I, the, the article basically said that there's, you know, uh, with homosexuals there's 2.5 um, times more likely uh, to commit suicide or try to commit suicide than someone who's uh, heterosexual. And um, so there's obviously some issues there. You know, emotional health is, is a big issue in the, in the homosexual community. And while a lot of people would try to blame Christians or people being judgmental, our society is very permissive now and very, uh, in fact, I would say there's more more Christians being judged and, and being labeled as narrow-minded and bigots and, and homophobes and, and all these sort of titles given to Christians. They're under a lot more attack than than homosexuals are. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, people could debate that, but the reality is from these studies, they said, well, it, it is one contributing factor in in uh, the emotional health um, and, the, you know, the suicide, but it's not the, the biggest factors. You know, with Jason sharing that story, mm. uh, it illustrates to me that there's no cookie cutter approach mm. to how you actually deal with some of these issues, mm. uh, particularly with people who are coming from a homosexual background. Uh, Every one of those scenarios is going to be different. And Mm. when you step out to be pastorally involved, Mm. uh, you may be opening yourself to criticism from all sides, but that's where it's going to be very important for people to hear something from God. Mm. Uh, What is God telling me to do in the way that I might care for this person? How do I stand there with a standard of righteousness, not compromising that standard of righteousness Mm. because... As followers of Christ, we don't want to be people of compromise. And yet at the same time, to be able to extend a hand of graciousness Mm. uh, to someone who uh, is, you know, if we make those standards of judgment, right? Mm. let's be very judgmental here. Mm. Well, there's a biblical standard, and that's not going to change no matter what laws might even try and be changed in our nation. That's right. Uh, So let's let's be gracious Mm. in every one of those circumstances. They are all going to be different. We're taking... Taking calls on 1-800-316-316 and our conversation is not specifically about 
homosexuality today. It's about judgmentalism, which is a much, much broader topic. But let's continue to take some calls. Thanks so much for waiting patiently. Uh, Brian from Mount, uh, from Geraldton in WA. Hello, Brian. Welcome along. Good morning. How are you going? Very well, Brian. Thanks so much for uh, waiting patiently. What are your thoughts? Um, judgmental is uh, it's an issue, but it's not up to us, us to judge people. We have to leave that to Henry Father. Our job is to love people and show them the unconditional love that he has to offer each and every one who wants to find that, that peace and love and joy. So when we go out into communities, we, we're not just going out there with blind eyes. Uh, we, we're out there with an open heart to see what people need, what they want, what they want to talk about, discuss things with them. And if, if we were not to do that, then I feel we wouldn't have the respect of the people and we wouldn't have the success we have been with uh, putting indigenous communities into the, into the media and letting them see um, what God has to offer. So it, it's something that if we don't do it the right way, we can miss out on the opportunity that God's got in store for us. So it's mm. a very, very open subject. And the guy that spoke beforehand, uh, take my hat off to him for what he's done. And, uh, yeah, we need to do exactly what he's doing, show mm. the love and joy that God, Jesus did when he walked on the earth. And that's our mm. job as uh, Christians. I completely agree, Brian. I think, um, you know, we can, we can sort of, um, you know, just absolutely put off the person that we're speaking with if we come across in the wrong way and, and come across really judgmentalism. But if we uh, approach it very sensitively and lovingly, even whilst keeping our standards, I think that we can still communicate that love and that grace in the way that we come across. So I guess the question for us is, when we have scenarios like this, when we're talking with a, a non-Christian, maybe wanting to share the gospel, and then they bring up, oh, but you you Christians hate gays. you know, How do you respond to that in a loving way without sort of watering down our beliefs and saying, oh, no, 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 we, we think everything's okay? We can't say that, but we can be very gracious in the way that we come across. Um, and I, I was speaking to someone actually just um, uh, last week about this. I had the same thing come up. Someone said, oh, I, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't buy any of this because you hate gays. Say well, actually, we don't. I've got a cousin who's gay. Comes around for dinner, you know. We, uh, you know, have meals together. I don't treat him in any other way than anyone else. I love everybody in the world. It doesn't matter where you're from, what colour your skin is, what orientation you are, and God does as well. And I think it's a huge misunderstanding in many people's minds that that Christians hate gays or God hates gay. That we do have a standard, and we're not going to, you know, back down on that and say, hey, you know, everything's okay. You can do whatever you want because. In order to love someone, you don't have to agree. And I believe in, in everyone's right to, to uh, you know, express their point of view. And I would fight for your right to express your point of view. You know? And, and the, the whole uh, Western nations are based on Christian principles, which is, is that freedom of speech and freedom of religion. We, we, you, know, you go to a, 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 an Islamic nation, for example, and you, you can't just you know, say whatever you want. You could be jailed or killed. Uh, whereas in over here, we give everyone the right to have their say, and, and we fight for that right, and it's a Christian principle. But at the same time, Christians also have the right to disagree with things. But I think we, if we do it in a loving and a gracious way, then we can definitely keep that conversation going. And, and so that's what Brian, uh, you know, you've spoken about, and, and also Jason as well. That's uh, an excellent point to bring through. Brian, thanks so much for being with us. Brian from Geraldton in WA. Let's hear from, I think it's Leighton or Leighton from Peak Hill. Hello, is it Leighton or Leighton? It's Leighton, right? Leighton. Great to hear from you, Leighton. What are your thoughts? And yourself. Look, you boys are doing a wonderful show there. I really appreciate it, brothers. Good. Well, I think um, uh, Stu's enjoying the conversation as well. I am. Mate, 
Yeah, I, I really uh, do enjoy the, the 2020 and, and other conversations that come forward on your show. They're actually fruit for the soul, mate. So, look, um, what my I've got two points, and I just would I'm not really looking for answers, but just your view on it because I don't really think as as Christians apart from Christ, uh, who's risen and left us with His um, saving grace in the Spirit, um, what it is like. People, I, I had an experience, and I won't go mentioning denominations or churches. It, 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 it sort of, that's not the big issue. The big issue is that this is a very interesting conversation. I've been judgmental myself, be it in, in the old cycle, because I've been a Christian for 10 years, and I soundly I, I sort of study the Word and... Um, I soundly listen to a lot of different doctrines and 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 come up with a with a I, I hope a, a, a resolute and peaceful way to believe in Jesus's teachings and God's teachings. Um, but I, found, I I actually apologised to an elder in a previous church for being judgmental, and um, he he didn't know how to accept it. But I I, I think. What's hard for the for the leaders of the churches and people that throw themselves out there a lot? I used to be quite good at evangelism, and I've I've, I've just sort of had a few issues come up, so I've I've been very quiet. But um, they have to make priority choices in who they can make time for sometimes, and it it's given to the to to the need. Some in some cases, it's life or death. Um, in relation to a to a person that they that they keep things um, out of the limelight for yep. Leighton, great thoughts in what you're sharing there and uh, if I'm sort of drawing that uh, together as to what you're saying is that oftentimes uh, we can be very judgmental about what the people in our church are doing when they're the leaders and uh, you say uh, when you uh, apologize to that elder well sometimes people have some things against the pastor or the priest or uh, the elders, those people who are making the decisions about what gets done and maybe sometimes they're not doing enough. And so there's this way that we can be very judgmental about the leaders. Uh, any thoughts to add, Stu? Uh, yeah, I mean, even within within the churches, as, as well as talking with non-Christians, we've got uh, our own issues of, of judging one another. And, and uh, again, you know, how to, it's a challenge to know how to uphold godly standards and and admonish one another, encourage one another to live a godly life uh, without, you know, taking the place of God and, and judging them, you know. So. Thank you to Leighton from Peak Hill in New South Wales. Let's continue to take some calls. We'll need to probably get fairly quickly now and uh, time's running out. Kath from Regent's Park in Queensland. Hello, Kath. Welcome along. Hello. Hi, Kath. What are your thoughts? Oh, look, I was given... I love what you're doing. Praise the Lord. I had a wonderful opportunity on a plane to New Zealand. I was reading a book called Passion for Souls. And the guy next door to me said, who's the book about? And I said, you and me. He <laughs> <laughs> you realise we're souls? And he said, oh, he said, I wouldn't be welcome at your church. And I said, why not? He said, oh, well, I'm one of those people that you're always preaching against, you know. And I said, <laughs> and I said do you know God loves you? And we had a conversation for three hours on the way to New Zealand. And at the end, I asked, could I give him a little track to take with him? And he said, yeah, sure, he said. 
never had a conversation like this before. <laughs> but it was amazing. It's how you approach them. And I think you can always speak the truth in love. That's and a that's very good point. your attitude, I think, that comes across, you know? And you can speak the truth in love because they're as judgmental, the people who rebuke us, as they think we are against them. That's exactly right. And we've right. just gone through, two friends and I have just gone through a listing of how judgmental we've become, and we laid it before the Lord, asked him to forgive us, to release the people we were judgmenting, and burnt our list. And I was shocked how judgmental I had become. <laughs> I like that. Amazing. Look, if we're talking about uh, ways that you can address your own judgmentalism, what a wonderful thing, Kath. Uh, make mm. a list of the people yep. that you feel as though you've been judgmental about and then burn that list. What, well, a, what a great way. We asked him to show us and he showed us, I tell you. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, uh, Stu Miller is on aeroplanes to New Zealand so often he was probably on the same flight you were on. But, <laughs> Stu, what, what, what are your thoughts about what Kath is sharing? Oh, good on you, Kath. It's it's great to to see you, uh, you know, communicating with people about Christ and and turning their way of thinking around. I mean, there's a gentleman who's oh, you'd never have me on your church, and then he's he's changed his mind. He hey, wow, that was a great conversation. And I think, um, you know, I mean, I I am on a, on planes quite often, and and it's it's normally <laughs> normally you end up sharing the gospel with the person sitting next to you, and it's it, I think it's about focus. Um, Kath, isn't it? Like, are you actually open to sharing the love of Christ with people? Do you love people? Are you compassionate about the people around you? Do you care? And I think if you do, you'll you'll engage in some spiritual conversations with people, and you'll also change their mind about the way that they view Christians, because often they will view Christians as we're just out to judge them and to tell them how wrong they are. But we really have a message of hope, and uh, even though we have you know, godly standards to uphold. We have a message about, you know, Christ dying for our sins, Jesus being punished for the things that all of us have done wrong, and we're all in the same boat on that. So good on you, Kath. It's so exciting to hear what you've done, and and, and, and an excellent point you've also made about um, just reflecting ourselves on the on our own attitudes and the way that we come across to people, and, and am I judgmental towards other people? It's a question I think we all need to ask. Kath from Regents Park, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. Time for one more call. Natalie is in Perth. Hello, Natalie. Welcome along. Thank you. How are you? Very well, Natalie. What are your Thank thoughts you. today? Um, I have a mental illness and I have schizophrenia. And I actually find people can be very judgmental when they find out I have schizophrenia. Um, it can be quite, it can be quite distressing, but I, I get through it because I know that, well, I've got God and um, and everything in the spiritual like side of the life is supporting me and nurturing me. But I find it very hard when people put a label on you and then they turn around and they, they expect you to be different because you have schizophrenia. So I just, and I find that in both Christians and also um, people that are, are not Christians. But I just wanted to share my view on that. That was all. Natalie, thank you so much for being so transparent and sharing that. And, uh, you know, as as you're sharing those things, I'm reflective of uh, those organisations like Beyond Blue and uh, Mm. others that deal with some uh, levels of mental illness and some of the major campaigns that have been had uh, on uh, televisions uh, of recent years where it's tried to change the attitudes of all people towards 
mental illness. And uh, I suspect that, you know, many of us, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you automatically know how to mm. approach and to have conversations uh, without offending someone who has a mental illness. So, yeah. but, but, but I think people just need to treat people like there's nothing wrong, like mm. they're normal no matter what they're going through because everyone has their own battles and their own upheavals and and all of that and just because one's been labelled with an illness doesn't necessarily mean that they're any different to you. They're just their struggles and their way that they have to deal with things are a little bit different but still we're still a heart, a soul, um, a body and you know we're just part of the universe like everyone else. That's what I find. So Natalie when you're at church on Sunday you want to be included in the conversation. You don't want to be left standing alone having your cup of tea or coffee at the end of the service uh, isolated. You want to be included. Mm. You want to be treated Absolutely. as normal. You want to be invited out for, you know, supper after church or out to lunch or whatever. You just want to be a part of that, uh, a, a part of what people are doing normally in yeah, their church life. I think it's fear from a lot of people mm. that don't know how to approach it. So they're fearful that they might say the wrong thing. They might, um, you know, offend. They might do anything. I think it's a, it's drawn from fear. Driven from fear, I'm sorry. Mm. Stu, your and, um, thoughts uh, on what Natalie's sharing? Natalie, it's uh, it's uh, very interesting what you're bringing about because it's it relates with what we've been talking about through the through the whole hour, and that is uh, loving people and treating people all the same, whether they have a, a mental illness, whether they have a uh, you know they're, they're homosexual, whether they are black or white, male or female. I mean, we shouldn't you know, be treating anyone any different but loving every person with the love of Christ. And, you know, what you've shared is, is a, an illustration about, you know, the whole thing of fear is interesting of what you've said because often it's fear that, that makes us treat people differently. And I think we've got to get rid of the fear. And perfect love casts out all fear, doesn't it? So thanks so much for sharing that. I, I think that's been very insightful and very helpful for a lot of people. Natalie from Perth, great to have your insights here today here on 2020. Well, time is running out, Stu, and uh, look, thank you for your uh, your transparency through the hour too. Uh, great conversation. I do mm. like uh, these heart-to-heart conversations we occasionally have, yes. and uh, really because, you know, the church has got some challenges, mm. and uh, unless we actually start talking about those, mm. uh, we might not be thinking about where we fit in the whole big picture and uh, mm. because we might be part of the problem, Mm. We might also then be able to become part of the solution. Mm. Uh, let me point people to your website. Uh, Train to Proclaim is the name of the ministry that you founded, and traintoproclaim.com. That's where people can download that G7 app mm-hmm. you were talking about, the Gospel in Seven, helps mm-hmm. you share the gospel in a relevant way, non threatening. Mm-hmm. Uh, takes all of the heat out of that mm. idea of uh, sharing my faith with someone else. What are the elements that I want to share in there? Uh, and, of course, Global Outreach Day is what we talked about too. It's something mm. we can prepare for next year, and it's really mm. about a, an, an adjustment of attitudes today so yes. that when those times come, mm. we'll be ready. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that we, we quite often said as we were traveling around um, was that no method of, of evangelism is outdated, but bad people skills is. <laughs> yes. And I think, you know, we can sort of try and 
saying my right way is the right way or your way is you know, not as good or whatever. But the, at the end of the day, if we've got good people skills, it actually doesn't matter whether you're using a tract you know, or you're just using a conversational style or whether you're using an app on your phone or whatever style you're using. If you've got good people skills, if you come across non-judgmental, if you come across loving and gracious in the way that you do it and you have a two-way conversation with people about spiritual things, you'll find that uh, you have some wonderful encounters. And uh, and I think that, that thing of fear, I just want to bring that out again. I mean, because often it's a fear as Christians. Oh, my goodness, if, if we try to talk to someone about God, what if they bring up the homosexual thing? What if they bring up the, you know, this issue or this issue? And we've got this fear. But you know what? We don't need to fear it. We we need to just, you know, enter into that conversation and allow God to speak to us, like like Jesus and the Samaritan woman. You know, he had an ear to the Spirit, and he uh, connected with her where she was at. Okay, well, Stu Miller, great to have your insights today here on 2020, traintoproclaim.com, and I'll look mm. forward to our next opportunity to have another chat, something similar to this. Thanks so much, Stu. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.